The Old Testament reading is from Ezekiel 18, verses 1 through 4, and then jumping over to verses 25 through 32. And that can be found on page 842 of your pew Bible. Ezekiel 18. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child. Both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. Then over to verse 25. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear, you Israelites, is my way unjust? Is not your ways that are unjust? If a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin, they will die for it. Because of the sin they have committed, they will die. But if a wicked person turns away from the wickedness they have committed and does what is right, and does what is just and right, they will save their life. Because they considered all the offenses they have committed and turned away from them, that person will surely live. They will not die. Yet the Israelites say, the way of the Lord is not just. Are my ways unjust, people of Israel? Is it not your ways that are unjust? Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourself, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament reading comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 1 through 13, which is on page 1179 of the Pew Bible. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, do not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, if you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is the word of the Lord. There's a bunch of stuff up here. Good morning, Sherman. It's like way emptier in here when the kids go downstairs. It's shocking. Um, So this morning we are going to talk about power. Philippians 2 is such a beautiful example of what power is. Uh, So different than how it's understood in the broader world and even often how we understand it in the church. Um, The most well-known part of Philippians 2, starting at verse 5, is a description of how God uses power. And verses 1 through 4 encourage us to do likewise to use power as Christ did, not as the world does. Verse 5 says this, Christ, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Um, You could translate that, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Um, Already this should be shocking. Uh, We tend to grasp at things that we don't have, Um, more status than we already have, control over things and people that aren't ours to control. But Jesus had all the status and all the power in all of creation over all of creation, and he didn't feel like he needed to hang on to that. Instead, the text says he made himself nothing, becoming human, taking the form of a slave, We've gotten so used to texts like this that sometimes they can just go right past us, but it's actually kind of amazing. Um, I know when people, preachers try to explain this, they always talk about, like, imagine if the president, and that is super cliche and totally I'm going to do it right now. Um, (laughs) 
because I was kind of impressed that last week Biden joined that labor strike. I know none of the details, so you know, don't get mad at me if there's something messed up about it, but, but I was kind of impressed that he joined the labor strike, but then I, you, know, you always wonder, would he do it if it also didn't look good to the people who would vote for him? Like, was it also kind of about his own power, even as he lent his power to um, this labor movement? But that, like, humbling doesn't even come anywhere close to, even close to what Jesus did. I mean, would Biden ever become one of the auto workers, work on the line with them, or maybe <laughs> for anywhere longer than a photo shoot? Or maybe would he trade paychecks with them? Just for a year. Jesus came down farther than we can imagine in the incarnation. And he didn't even come as one with human power, but one in dire straits, a poor refugee baby born in a barn. And then the text says he went even further. He went as low as he could go, and then he kept going down. He humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. The most humiliating death there is devised in order to humiliate a drown-out public execution, public entertainment. One theologian said that he went from the humility of the incarnation to the humiliation of the cross. And Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that. Because that's what power was meant to do. This isn't just Jesus decided that this time he would do it this way. God doesn't change. And Jesus is the clearest revelation we have of God, the perfect image of the invisible God, Scripture tells us. It is how Jesus used power. If it is how Jesus used power, then that means that's what power is. That's what it's for. Every created thing can be twisted into some destructive version of itself, and power certainly has been. And this passage asks us to change our mindsets around power, to have the same mindset as Christ, and to let our relationships be changed by how we use power in them, to return to who we are and to what we are made for. Jesus not seeing equality with God as something to be grasped stands in stark contrast uh, to Adam and Eve in the garden. The first sin is uh, exactly the opposite of you. Oh, I thought my mic went out, but I think we're okay. The first sin is exactly the opposite of Philippians 2. Maybe every sin ever since then has been as well. In Genesis 3, when the woman says to the serpent, you know, we're not allowed to eat from the tree or we will die, the serpent says, you will not certainly die, for God knows that when you, eat, when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. No, Eve, you will be like God. And so humans grasped for undue power for the first time. And it led them to hide themselves, it led for them to hide themselves in shame and fear. It led to broken relationships in every direction. It led to all creation being subject to frustration. The whole thing suffers because of human grasping after equality with God. And here is Christ, God himself, using his own enormous power for the sake of those he loves, calling us to do likewise, calling us back to who we were intended to be. Uh, when Tony and I went on a, 
a Sankofa bus trip year, a few years ago. Some of you probably remember. Um, it's a bus trip through the South that explores some of the kind of historic sites and <laughs> basically racist American history. Um, we had a lot of conversations on the bus about anti-racism and whiteness. At one point, a black man asked at the front of the bus, uh, how, he, he wanted to know, how do white people talk about power? And the conversation that followed was really, uh, really interesting. White people tend to not talk about power. Um, or in Christian context, sometimes we talk about power as if it was, like we talk about getting rid of power, as if it was a bad thing in and of itself. Um, but I learned that day that that's not quite right. Black Christians talk about power very differently. Because when you don't have the power to do the things you need to take care of yourself or your family, or to walk through the world safely, then you need to get power. And it's not wrong to want that. I just had never thought about that because I have always had the power to get the things that I needed. I haven't had to think about it. So we have to be careful how we talk about it. It's not power itself that is the problem. Power is God-given. The problem is an inequality of power, the hoarding of it. When some have loads of power and others don't have the power to do the things that they need to do to survive, then things need to change. When systems are set up to disempower and dominate rather than to liberate, these are misuses of power. It's not what it's for. And so it's not surprising then that it leads to discord and destruction. Power is meant to lift people. And Jesus used his power, and he used it, but he used it not for his own advantage, but for the advantage of others. He used his power to get down low so that others could flourish. Now, it's like annoying that I can say all these things and I still have to always issue this warning um, because we are always so susceptible to abuses of power um, and there is a lot of power in saying God said or the Bible says. Um, and so people with power, slave masters and pastors and abusive partners, have often used this kind of text, this text itself, to say that people who don't have power should stay that way and be quiet about it. Um, that's so ironic and also totally unsurprising that people would use this text to dominate others. As a people of God, we should not tolerate abuses of power. Christ had power and used it for the sake of others, and so we look to the ways that we have power, and we ask how we might give it how we might give up the advantage for the sake of others. We don't look at those with less power and say, you should quit whining. Those of us who have power in any given situation need, actually need the less powerful to speak up, to show us how we are misusing our own power. Because um, for whatever reason, power seems to blind us. Uh, often we just can't see it. Like yesterday, I was at Oscar's soccer game, and I remembered last week, someone uh, was saying that Oscar's team seemed bigger than the other kid's team. And I hadn't noticed. Like, and you worry about this stuff as a parent because you don't want your kids to get hurt by the other you know, bigger kids who are just playing the game. Um, but I hadn't noticed the sizes this year. So yesterday I looked around the field, and sure enough, uh, it looked like almost every kid on Oscar's team was a like, full head taller 
than almost every kid on the other team. Uh, and we had been on the other end of that in past years, and I had noticed it right away. Um, like, I always see it when my kid is the one who's littler. But I didn't see it this year at all. Like, it's amazing how, much, how quickly we forget. A lot of the work that I have done around anti-racism has been about learning about power that I can't see. Um, but usually that people of color see very clearly. Uh, like, I was at this one, um, I don't know, I was in this one conversation about white privilege. Uh, the white people were supposed to talk about what, where they thought they saw their own white privilege and the black people were supposed to just listen so that it wasn't like on them to teach us. But we were really struggling. And I said like, well, you know, when I go to the grocery store, sometimes if Oscar gets fussy, he was a baby at the time, if he gets fussy, I'll just like open up a string cheese and give it to him and it will like help him calm down. And I was kind of nervous, I think I was looking down, I said like, is that white privilege? And I looked up and I just have the clearest memory of this, <laughs> this black man across the table from me with his jaw on the ground. He was like, I can't believe you can do that. Um, and, the <laughs> and then, like, as we talked uh, afterwards, he said, like, if his kid got fussy, um, not only could he not do that, but people would then assume it was because he was a bad parent. Um, he and I could go to the same grocery store and just have completely different experiences. And we, we just don't often know the power that we have. If we want to be able to obey this passage, to do as Paul and Jesus are asking, if we want to be able to look toward the needs of others, we have to get really, really good at listening and believing people when they talk back to us. Um, sometimes we don't even know the questions to ask. And I've been learning the same lesson um, about creation these days. I thought I knew about plants because my mom has a green thumb and like she has an amazing garden. Turns out, like, no, I don't know anything. <laughs> and largely for the same reason, because I've been blinded to the power that I have. I have not, I have the power to not pay close attention, right? Like, I do not have to grow my own food. Uh, so I don't have to know how things work. Even if I have a garden, I don't really have to know that well. It doesn't matter if it fails. Um, only now, creation's cries have gotten so loud that it's becoming very difficult to not listen. And I'm finding out that there's a whole world of things I didn't know. I still don't know. The ways that creatures and soil and plants need each other. The ways that I'm heavily dependent on the lives of bugs, even as I participate in wiping them out. Paul is talking about how we behave in relationship to one another, but the same should extend to how we behave in relationship to God's good creation. Do we dominate it? Or do we get down low so that it can flourish? And sometimes getting down low, part of that is learning. Um, if we want to develop the mindset of Christ, we need to continually be assessing and discerning our use of power. Continually assuring that we are using it for the benefit of others. And to know that, we need to learn to listen to others, particularly if they are different from ourselves, including the earth.
the mindset of Adam and Eve just comes a lot more easily to us. And no matter who you are, you have power. Right? It's located in your home and your pocketbook and your skills and abilities, the color of your skin, how white and straight your teeth are, your emotional displays, how loud your voice is, how big your body is, your gender and sexual identity, your status, your job. It is all over the place. You have power. And every day you get to choose how you will use it. Um, you have power even just as you enter a room. Right? Some people put a whole room on edge just by walking in. Others bring joy and ease. Uh, Tony and I have this mentor named Dick Claver, and I remember being shocked by his presence. Uh, when he walks into a room, it feels like everyone in the room calms down. It's amazing. Um, he has such a powerful presence, but one that makes it easier to be yourself easier to be in whatever situation you're in. It feels liberating. And I asked him about it once, and he said it is because he has spent so much of his life giving his anxiety to Jesus. He has learned to trust Jesus. And to trust someone is to give them power. He learned to give his power to Jesus. And it is evident when you're in his presence. You all have power, and every day you get to choose how you will use it. Will you lift others up or will you push them down? Will you share it or will you hoard it? Or share it and hoard it for yourself? Or, oh my gosh, will you share it, the power, or will you hoard it? <laughs> will, you, will you even know the difference between the two? Um, the Safe, Safe Church office in the denomination has a great um, section on their website about abuse of power. They say, the misuse of power is at the heart of all abuse. But power that's used like Jesus multiplies and leads to flourishing and life. Um, this is a quote. It says, we simply cannot reflect our Lord when we misuse the power that he has given us or when we allow abuse to continue in our midst. We are called to follow the way of Jesus. Where misuse of power where misuse of power is power over others to control them, to get what you want from them, Christ's power is a power under them to support and to lift up, to help others to embody the power that is rightfully theirs. That's why Jesus' power is healing. It is liberating. It helps people to embody the power that is rightfully theirs. That kind of power multiplies. It is not hoarded by a few powerful people. It is shared by a whole community. It's actually not a thing that we can do as individuals. It has to be in community, which is one of the reasons why, you know, church is important, because you can't learn stuff like this by yourself. It has to exist in a whole community of people who are giving of themselves. That's what you see in the last section of the passage, because Christ poured himself out in obedience to the Father, the Father gave him, gave him power over all. So like Christ gave, the Father gave, and Christ's exaltation led to the glory of the Father. There is this kind of back and forth in it all, and each part lifting the other up. That's the life of the Godhead. That is the three persons of the Trinity, constantly giving of themselves to the other. That is the divine dance of love, and we are invited into it by giving of ourselves for the sake of others, just like Christ did, and trusting 
trusting one another to return the gift, and ultimately trusting that God will continue to pour out for us. This isn't an individual thing. This letter was sent to a community, asked a community to embody it. Um, I think that's why we get into so much trouble of like, oh, now I'm dying because I've given everything. Uh, Because we're thinking it's all on us as an individual. Jesus' gift of himself ended in death because of the abuses of power all around him. Right? It was the sin of others that let him go all the way to the bottom. And so sometimes our gifts are draining for us because it's true that some people will take forever and ever. They will take everything. And so in trying to live this out, we support one another and we trust that God will support us too. This is a community. This is a thing of a community. But, of course, as individuals, we have to make these decisions, too. And we make these decisions all the time. Like right now, there are a bunch of volunteers um, in nursery and praise and play and children in worship. And they have chosen to give of their power this morning. They could be up here. Um, But they have chosen for this hour to use their power to allow others to attend the service and also to bless those kids. Part of what they're doing right now is using their power to give power to children. Their presence and attention becomes another voice in each of those kids' lives saying, you are worthy of love. God loves you. And that will become power for them as they grow up. It will become confidence. It will help, keep them, it will help them to keep themselves safe. It will help them to make wise decisions so that they will not treat themselves as worthless because they will know otherwise. Because people have chosen to give power to them this morning. And that's the test of whether or not we are using our power well. Is it leading to flourishing or is it leading to languishing? To life or to death? And so we ask this about our homes and our offices everywhere we inhabit. It is nowhere clearer that we have abused power than in our relationship with creation. It is crying out. On their native plant tour last week, um, Dave Warners mentioned that planting native pet plants is an act of decolonization. Uh, I had never heard that before. Uh, But here's what he said. He said, like, European settlers came to this country And they didn't look around and say, how can we fit in here? Instead, they dominated every space, all the people, the culture, and the land, bringing European plants and making a landscape that looked like what they were used to, what felt comfortable for them. And and that is part of the reason that the earth is dying, because we have brought this same mindset to the land cutting down trees, planting lawns, designing gardens with plants that don't belong here while suppressing the ones that do belong here, and the earth is sick because of it. He said, this whole place wants to be a forest. Plants can teach us, if anything, plants can teach us how to use power. They have power too, and all they do is share. Allowing the plants that belong here to return would mean 
that the water would get healthier and the air would get healthier and the bugs and the birds and the other animals, including us, would thrive. Because plants are so good at sharing. They are obedient to this passage. But will we listen to the cries of creation? We have power. What will we do with it? Christ has shown us in this most drastic way what life-giving power looks like. It looks like sacrifice for the sake of the other. It looks like support and humility. This constant giving is who God is. Jesus gave us everything so that we might flourish and live. And he continues to share his power with us by giving us the Holy Spirit, by teaching us what it means to be holy and be in right relationship, by showing us what power is for, and by inviting us into the work of renewing all things. It is who God is, and it is who we are. It can be difficult to let go of advantage, but we can trust that even as we give up power for the sake of others, even if we go all the way down like Jesus did, at the bottom there is resurrection, reconciliation, and new life, just like there was for Jesus. Because even as you use your power for others, God uses power for you. Let's pray. Lord, you have um, given us everything. All that we know and all of the goodness we experience and the air we breathe and the soil and our own bodies and our own hearts and minds. You have given us everything and then given us more to restore this thing to new. May we join you in that good work. And Lord, would you open our eyes to the places that maybe we need um, to adjust the ways that we are using power and call us back to that mindset of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.